Hey there, and welcome to Zero to One Humans, a podcast that tells stories of ordinary people who have made some extraordinary life choices. Join us as we talk to artists, travelers, writers, athletes, entrepreneurs, and just generally good people to find out the backstory of how they got going from zero to one. My name is Terence, and I am your host. The forest school philosophy is similar to the concept of unschooling, where a child learns through living rather than through the conventions of school. In this episode, we chat with Darren, the founder of Forest School Singapore. We discuss how he got Forest School started, the philosophy behind the learning, its relation to Singapore's notoriously rigid education system, and how to introduce the trait of risk-taking for leaders, entrepreneurs, and critical thinkers of the future. Hey Darren, welcome to the podcast. Hi, hi Terence. Yeah, can you um can you describe Forest School in a tweet? Um, uh, I guess it, in short, basically Forest School is uh, a way of learning and uh, living as well that we will bring children as well as families to the forest to to the nature actually not necessarily just forest and um yeah they will learn play explore and really have a different kind of lifestyle that connects with, with our natural environment. Okay, and I'm pretty sure we're going to learn a lot more about this, but you know, before we take a walk through the forest together, will you tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm 30 years old, <laughs> which a lot of people... 30 years young? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so, usually people are, huh, 30 years old, you're doing forest school, uh, having your own sense, I say, yeah, but okay, most people imagine a much older person doing this lah. Yeah, I've been doing this for five years, but I've been in the education line for close to 12, 12 years. I started quite early in the education field, uh, found my passion there. Yeah, so I started doing this uh, forest school the past five years. Before that, I was really bouncing around different education establishment and programs. And, and so before that, I guess you were kind of like working with different companies and then forest school, this is your own own uh, yeah, organization, correct? correct? Mm. Okay, wonderful. Okay, now, can you describe the the light bulb moment that made you go, I should start forest school in Singapore? Uh, so I guess light bulb moments always comes after a journey of experiences that really point me towards forest school. Lah. For me, I was in education for quite some time, 12 years-ish. And the first seven years, uh, I was doing teaching in different establishments, like I mentioned. And I was in preschool. I was also working as a freelance ad hoc around different programs, after-school programs for international schools, for mainstream schools, uh, even spent some time in the after-school care centre. And also, I spent a lot of time doing as a sports coach as well. So during this whole period of time, being with kids uh, in education, I realised a lot of our education is not inclusive enough. And even with all these sports or enrichment programs, which seems non-academic, uh, a lot of times there's still structures to follow, there's still rules to follow that some children just can't be part of it. Uh, example, if, if you were to do certain programs that require physical ability of a certain level, it means children with physical disability wouldn't be able to be part of it so actively. Hmm. So, um, and of course, with a whole, whole range of other cognitive disability as well and all that. So all these kinds of ads up and I, I started to want to look for a form of learning and education or that can actually encompass 
everyone. Uh, and so going down this journey, I, of course, I met some uh, mentors and some teachers who, who share with me different education ways and pedagogy. And uh, Forest School came through the door through a parent, actually, which uh, I got to know of when I was teaching in preschool. The parents that you shared with me about Forest School brought me to, to walk around uh, Singapore's nature environment. And the interesting thing was she was a Japanese lady bringing a Singaporean guy to the forest in Singapore to learn. So in the journey with her, I realized really when I brought different kids, uh, families to the forest together with her initially, and we start to see a lot of the benefits and, and how every single one can be included. Because I realized that mm. big, bigger scheme of things, like all of us are born out of nature. So in the sense, that environment is ready for all of us all the time. Right. And I, and I think for folks who are listening in and might not be familiar with the forest school concept, mm. I, and you mm. talked a little bit about this earlier, but can you mm. help us understand what is it really about? Do we just walk through the forest? Mm, mm, mm. So what's interesting is uh, what my mentor always shared with me was like, uh, if it's just a walk in the forest, it's not forest school. Lah. Everybody can do a walk in the forest. A forest mm. school experience, three, what we always call it as three pillars. Lah. One is child-led. In the sense, the participant lead the session. There's no curriculum. There's no construct there. There's no artificial construct there. So you follow the lead of the participants in terms of what's going to happen today. So that's child-led. Uh, secondly, is nature-led, meaning your environment becomes your curriculum. Your environment is the one that will lead you. So if that day there's monkeys, then monkeys is part of that day's curriculum. If there are people, you know, groups of people coming, then those groups of people will become the mm. curriculum as well. So it's nature-led, environment-led in a sense. Then the third pillar is context-led, which is what is going on in our world right now. So if, I mean, the time when there was election going on in Singapore, I mean, that's something that I mean, will be talked about as well. Um, if there is issue of haze, that is the context that is going on, then that's an issue that will be uh, sometimes discussed in the session. So the context is what is going on in our world right now. Um, so three things, child-led, nature-led, context-led. And, and so basically, you know, participants will never know what they're going to get out of any every single session. Yeah, yeah. even us as the leaders or the coaches or the parents themselves wouldn't know what is going to happen that day. <laughs> so it, it develops very organically in a sense, which is why it becomes right. a very inclusive uh, experience. Yeah, so you, you mentioned this thing about it being inclusive and, and earlier you talked about how uh, these three pillars are different but you've also spent quite some time in the field of education work you know with children mm. across mm. preschools community centers children's mm. camp mm. what is different about your experience with forest school either for yourself or for the children that you've seen come through the program i think a lot of times those other programs that i was part of they are more structured they have a fixed set of rules instruction objective goals that is placed uh, and the children come in uh, obviously some of them may not be one may not want to be there because you know parents holiday time just put them there um, so they have to kind of be forced to be going through that process and i see a lot of behavior issues i see a lot of kids acting up as well but in the forest school experience because it's led by the children they may come here they may not want to be there but they can decide how they want to be there then and after the experience they can choose not to be there as well so the choice of being in the forest school at the end of the day is given to the participants as far as possible uh, this is very this is very interesting right because uh you seldom hear about 
learning models where the you, you let the the two year old or five year old mm. decide you know what what's what's on the menu for for class yep. today um and i'm sure we'll, we'll talk about it in in a bit but let, let's do a little bit of a deep dive in, into your journey right so you know in, in 2015 you you stumbled upon rifle range nature park i think that's one of the places where you you held your forest school and, and you knew it was meant to be uh do you recall what happened that day yes um so i was doing a lot of recce for a place that I wanted to start for a school in. And the initial place that I was looking for was along the Green Corridor. So I was walking along the Green Corridor. I remember I started to walk for Bona Vista Holland area. And I start, started walking along the Green Corridor looking for a site. And I passed by the Bukit Timah train station area. When I was passing through that area, then there were some blockages. So when there was this barricade, and then I was, I was actually heading towards the farm, but I was stuck along the rifle range side. So I had to turn right and go down the rifle range area. And then when I went down the area, I saw this really beautiful park called Mayfair Park. Very quiet, not many people there. And then further on, I walked down, I found Rifle Range Nature Park, which was a little bit of a hidden area along Rifle Range Road. And that was where I realized, hey, <laughs> it seems like God has put me in this path to walk down that way. Were you worried about trespassing and you know some of these you know rules in singapore that you'll be breaking uh initially the places that i go to initially was not so much i mean it was open to public in a sense so those parks were open to public uh but doing forest school there are some moments where we're afraid of trespassing or right? so we'll be a bit more careful with uh, the places we go to and we see for signboards or you know things like that but after a while doing this kind of work, I think we also understand the balance between human authority and nature's authority. So there's a difference. Because human authority is construct, is controlled, structured, but there's a lot of things we still are not sure about. Uh, but what the nature teaches and shares and uh, boundaries set by nature is quite clear. Right. And I think that really goes into the, the spirit. I mean, I guess the philosophy of uh, the forest school itself as well. Um, but do you remember? Do you remember your first first forest school day? Uh, who showed up? What was class like? I think there's two two in the sense I had the unofficial one and the official one. So the unofficial ones were of course not really when I just I have the forest school Singapore hasn't started. So I was trying trial and error with different groups of kids and people. It was very nervous. I I had you know <laughs> I was I mean I'm Singaporean right. So <clears throat> I brought up having structures, instruction as well. So I had my own briefing document that I carried with me. And when I was briefing the kids and the, the participant on my first day, I was having a piece of paper, <laughs> briefing through the paper. So it was, it was quite uh, nervous, but also because it's new, everything is new to the kids, to the parents, also to me it's new. Um, but on my first official day where Forest School Singapore first started, it was much, I was much more confident I remember I had six pioneer kids. So I, we have an article online about the six pioneer kids that started with us in forest school and the first day of that session. So it was very exciting, much calmer, I would say, much more confident. Yeah, but, but let's, let's talk a little bit about this, right? Because there's no set curriculum, there's no lesson plans. So how do children actually learn or what, what, what do they learn? So I, I don't know if, you, if any of the audience here or yourself have heard of this term called unschooling. No, no. Which is uh, the, the idea of not having a fixed curriculum and all that as well. But unschooling is a term used to describe how young individuals will learn through daily life. Not so much of a fixed setting. So it's very similar to what forest school is uh, in that it's child-led. So 
when our kids come to forest school, they're in a sense unschooled as well. So they will learn from their own interests. And I think it's something quite valuable uh, because a lot of time, if you ask a young adult right now what is their interest or what is their passion, a lot of young adults wouldn't be able to even talk about it because when we're young, we're not being ex- we are not exploring this aspect. So in forest school, a lot of children explore this aspect, their interest, their motivation, their passion. And based on that, they will progress in their learning. So for example, some kids like more animated creatures like the spiders. So when they see a spider, they'll be, oh, what is this? What is this? Uh, what color is it? And they will find out the names, find out what they eat and all that. So the whole learning then starts from there when the spiders appear. But for some kids, they like more of drawing. So they have their own notebook during the sessions and they can sit down in the midst of nature and they'll be drawing, they'll be drawing their experience, they'll be drawing their day, they'll be documenting. They like documenting their experience. So there's different form of learning going on and it's all based on the participants' own interests and uh, propensity. And so I yeah. guess the, the facilitators or coaches are there to just, you know, whenever they bring up a question or topic, follow along, right? Don't, don't, don't define... Mm. Yes, yes. So it's a lot of nudging, a lot of just facilitating, asking questions to them, asking what they're doing, uh, reflecting together with our participants. And I think that's something that is uniquely uh, lacking in, society, in our society. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Random question: Are there any tests, any exams in forest uh, no. school? <laughs> we our kids graduate <laughs> by their own choice as well, or, or by their parents' choice, whichever. So, what what is that? So mean? like we have we have kids who have been us. So we have been doing for five years. Throughout the years, we have kids who graduated. Like I have a kid last year, two thousand nineteen June. Uh, she started with us in two thousand six seventeen. So about three years in, and she felt ready to maybe move on in her life with her pursuit of uh, her interest was in dance, and it was time for her to make that leap. And so, she graduated in June two thousand nineteen, um, because she was ready to go. In that sense, graduation out of Forest School Singapore is something that is, uh, I mean, the the kids can make the decision, not so much we make the decision for them. Makes sense. Um, I want to talk a little bit about a, a zero to one part of your journey. What what was the hardest part about starting for a school in Singapore? And, and what were some of your biggest, I guess, worries back then? I think the hardest part was loneliness. When, when starting something, there was always going to be struggle and all of us can rec- do reconcile and recognize that as well. So there was going to be a struggle from authorities, from uh, the market perspective, from public perspective, from managing people, from uh, managing participants as well, all that. But I think the toughest was feeling lonely initially. I, I'm just by myself doing it. Uh, because I started it by myself. I mean, there was mentor, there was teachers, there was friends and all that. But in terms of doing the work itself, it was just my, me and myself uh, managing the system and all that. And so I think the loneliness was itself very uh, devastating at some point. Sometimes I would say I can even tether along the line of depression during the process when started yeah and, and what what kept you going i guess when when the going gets tough i think at the end of the day when the going gets tough it is the purpose that really keeps me going like for me seeing kids really benefit that the the light when their eyes light up when they realize they have freedom when they realize they have choice and they grow up with that and seeing parents feel comfortable to be themselves that they can also be part of this supporting village together so seeing this community and all that, really the purpose of it, uh, the purpose of why I'm doing it is for the kids. No? Always going back to that purpose of why am I doing this it is for the kids, it's for the children that I'm continuing pushing myself 
uh, through these different uh, challenges. I think that was what happened. Yeah, and it's very interesting that you 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 know you bring us to to your core mm. focus, which which is the the children that come into your program. And in doing research for this podcast, I came across the story of a particular boy named I believe his name John, mm. who was a, a slow learner in a, in a children's program. Would you tell us about John and, and the impact of his story on your journey so far? Uh, so John is a kid that I met when I was 17. It was before I started Forest School Singapore, way before. I was actually teaching him game programming in a typical primary school setting. Uh, he was a kid who had his brain fried by fever. Uh, there was many cognitive function that was not working anymore. Uh, but he was in a mainstream school. In school, he has to have a allied educator supporting him. I was just actually doing an enrichment program in the school, game programming for the class. And my boss at that time tasked me to be paired up with him. Being a young 17, 18, not trained in the sense, I thought, will I be able to handle this? So for the, for a good three days, I was with him, uh, teaching him game programming. And i give you an example. It took him like 20 minutes just to, to scroll the mouse to the right tab, things like that. And I, I knew his condition, so I was just trying my best to be patient and all, as well. Like. So after three days, consecutive days of the program, on the third day, uh, John said to me, I love you, which was which, which really stunned me a bit and um, really brought tears to my eyes as well. Like. I just felt for a moment like a person who's cognitively not being able to function is able to feel so deeply and express himself so openly. And it, it just got me thinking about what's life, what, what's the meaning of life, reflecting about what, what am I doing, what do I want to do in future as well, because that moment really struck me very hard that there's some there's feeling in people in every almost every organization. So yeah, that, that moment with John was, I think, defined me in terms of that I'm gonna go down this path of education, and I'm probably gonna retire in it. Yeah, no, and, and and I and I like that 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 you know there was this story, but I think more importantly, you you took action from this story, right? Because you know there are moments mm. in life where we get inspired by people, and sometimes you mm. know we we take it, and then mm. we're like, all right, that's a good story. But uh, it, it's really cool to see it manifest in in forest school today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I think I'm a person who likes to do things. I mean, I have ideas, but I like to make it happen. Uh, even though sometimes it fails, <laughs> I I feel like over the years I've been been able to be more resilient towards failure and see every failure as a uh, adding up towards the final destination, whichever it is. Um, now to to a topic that that really hits close to home, mm. uh, which is education, mm. right? Can Can you tell us one thing you maybe one thing you love and one thing you don't particularly like about the education system in Singapore? I think what I like about Singapore education system is that it really tries to give every single children in Singapore the opportunity to experience the education. And I think that is beneficial uh, to general population. But what I think I don't like about Singapore education, I think it's, it's, it has come a point mm-hmm. where it's not being able to include, every, include more people. In a sense, like last time, maybe more people can be included, but as time goes by, more and more people are being left uh, falling through the gaps. And it is showing even further mm. uh, flaws through, I mean, COVID-19 has tear up huge amount of the plasters that has been covering mm. the wounds of our education system. With this, the you know, question is, what is education? 
what is what is the purpose of education now? In the past, it's meant to shuffle people towards the industrialization and capitalization. But now, what is it about if we're not heading down that line anymore? Right? Mm. And, and what do you think is needed to challenge this status quo of education in Singapore? I think very simple. I learned this from a Malaysian friend, actually, because we were talking about education and he was sharing with me about like Malaysia education. Uh, they also have compulsory education. We also have compulsory education. But in Malaysia, there's a thing called choice. Families, individuals can choose to have a different education. I think Singapore having this mm. compulsory education act for like all of us have to go through primary school period. Every single Singaporean child has to go through it. Um, I think that itself is a big issue. I think giving just giving people the choice to say if I don't wish to go through it, I can choose not to. I would choose something else. I think that itself will start to allow us to explore different form of education that fits different individual. So I think simply choice, <laughs> simply giving choice. And, and and just just to clarify, you're not saying like not to go mm. to school, but I can choose not to go to you know this mm. school or this type mm. of school mm. system, but maybe choose an alternative school mm. system. Yes, just all, that's all, just choice. And, and do you think it's it's realistic that we can actually perhaps incorporate something like the forest school learning philosophy into our education systems? It's possible, very possible, because I think a lot of people think forest school, you have to be with full-on nature, forest, greens, or the beach and the sea, all that. But actually, it's a mindset. The forest school ways, pedagogy, is kind of mindset. So it's a shift away from being top-down instruction led to letting the children lead the learning. So I can give you a few examples of it actually existing in our education climate right now is people have heard of things like project-based learning, uh, inquiry learning, things like that. It's actually very close to what for school is about, which is letting the, the children lead, letting the learners lead that whole learning process for themselves. So things like that, small little elements here and there slowly coming in can actually change a lot of uh, what our current education mode is like. So it, it is very positive. I want to switch gears a little and talk about mm. the idea of uh, taking risks, right? So, mm. so I read that the forest school concept offers you know, learners the opportunity to take you know, supported risks, which are mm. appropriate to, say, the environment, appropriate to their, their age, etc. What does this really mean? I think what I want to help people understand is this. is Risk-taking by choice is different from risk-taking by being put into the situation by another person basically being forced into taking risks. So I'll give you an example is in our forest school setting, the kids let's say want to jump off a particular rock that is about maybe a meter, a mid 1.5 meter high. They're not being forced to jump off. Not everybody has to jump off. You choose when you're ready to jump off. So in the sense they take the risk, yes, of jumping off, but when they are ready. So I think readiness is a huge component of risk taking that is not being talked about a lot. But when people see like our kids all oh, in the woods, wow, jumping on the rocks, la, wow, playing rough la, and all that, those risk-taking elements is very evidently seen, observed. But what people don't see is the process of them getting to that point. The process may take months, may take weeks, may take days, may take years. But we at Forest School will be waiting. And the parents and the kids and the coaches are all understand we have to be patient to wait for them to be ready to be taking the risk. And mm. when they do take the risk at that at those moments, those moments are actually very much safer than what people observe. How do you teach risk taking to children? Or is it something that they experience and you're there when they're ready? 
okay, so when we bring children to environment, any environment, even if it's not a forest, it's an urban environment, to allow them to take risks, we as the adult need to be able to assess that place, the environment, and say, and remove those items that obviously will cause uh, risk that is, you know, go hospital kind of risk. So we don't want those kind of risks. So we remove things that is mm. excessive. But things that there is be- some risk is correct. Okay. So there's a there's what we call a risk benefit analysis. So how much benefit does this risk uh, present to the kids? If it's as higher benefits than the risk itself, and the risk is not that high, then obviously leaving it there will be okay. For example, um, a, a tree branch, a stick that is lying on the ground, it can cause some trips and falls. If we leave it there, I mean, trips and falls are fine. If if there's no sharp protruding object around the stick, then yeah, trip and fall. So then we'll allow those risks to be part of the environment. So I think doing the risk assessments and then after that, giving the choice of taking the risk to our participants is very important. That will help manage the risk. And, and I think it's important to, to talk about risk-taking as a trait, right? Especially when we think about these, these children becoming future leaders, mm. entrepreneurs, thinkers. Are we preparing them for that future today? Forest school aside, just in general. I think generally our society and education is not ready for the future. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, how ready are we with the technology advancements and all those things? I don't think people are, people are not that ready for the future. Uh, but what we hope that we can do as a whole society probably is that we can at least give our children the, the education or the, the experience to build their resilience because we don't know what's going to turn up. I mean, who knows COVID-19 turned up, right? So, but it's that resilience in our children, the adaptability. Yeah. And those things can be done even without crisis. Or that you, you, we can build those things among our kids. And, and I think it's great, right, it, that you guys are doing that in, in mm. small ways to, to the forest school. But have you thought about extending this so that that impact can be uh, to a broader spectrum of, of um, the, the society? Yes. Um, so I think we, we started forest school as a small entity and it will, it will always remain as a small entity. But what we, how we reach out towards the general masses and public will be that we are we are constantly actually engaging different establishment, education establishment. Uh, we even got to be invited to MOE's conferences to give talks and as well to teachers through our little steps of influencing the teachers and the adult community. Try to bring this idea into uh, incepted into different establishment and, and organizations so that they can continue this work. Uh, at their at their level as well as their rhythm because at the end of the day this adaptability is also a core part of forest school it's not that we have to fix this matter of child-led nature-led they can do their way but slight elements of giving people a choice like elements of letting the environment take the lead towards what's going to happen next those things can be done by a lot of this establishment and I think we are reaching out to them yeah and, and I think that that is one way that you can um grow your impact, right? Because, you know, some people may think that 10, 10 15 kids in the forest it could mm. be just a, a hipster concept for these 10, 15 <laughs> children. Yeah. But how do you really take the, the principle and the philosophy mm. behind it and mm. spread it to, to, mm. to you know, 100, mm. a 1,000 children? Correct, correct, correct. Because yeah. I think when we first started, we also realized every one of us needs something to see and observe and to believe in, you know. So the forest school, the small little entity we have here in Forest School Singapore, even though it's 10, 15, but it's an entity that people can look at it and say it's possible. 
So with that, then we inspire other people to you know start their own. So our vision is we not we don't want to franchise. We don't want to do all those kind of big corporate style of things. But we kind of just want more people to start their own. So we're encouraging a lot of entrepreneurship in this process as well. I was reading that you know you guys actually went through a couple of um, challenging times. Right, for example, you were at, you were at a particular site and then that site mm. got closed down or it was shut for renovation, something like mm. that. Uh, what has mm. been? You talked a little mm. bit about the loneliness when you started it, but what has been the most difficult part mm. of sustaining Forest School so far? I think sustaining Forest School would probably be be frank with you will be whether it can sustain the livelihood of the people who are full on committed to this like. So um, I mean, I'm basically in Forest School. Basically, not pay, paying your bills yeah. and all that. So for Forest School Singapore itself is a business, right? So it has to sustain me. Like first and foremost very important and I, and I think throughout the times doing it I learned that okay I'm the priority in terms of sustenance then once I can sustain myself then I will have the capacity to support the community and bring in more people etc and build this whole thing and make it sustainable as a uh, establishment so I think the toughest part a lot of people will think like oh, crossing path with the authority will be very tough but I think it's not so much it's when crossing path with them is a lot of negotiation, a lot of getting to know what can be done, what can't be done, how can I collaborate, which element you support. So this whole element of play is actually easily done if once you get the hang of it. So the the first interaction they have with me obviously was tough. It was like, oh, so how do, you know, how do you get? But after a long period of time, we are quite in good relationship with them. We, we do have, like whatever we observe in the forest, if there's abnormally, we actually report to them, let them know. And if they find some things that we do not very right or what, then they'll let us know as well. Lah. It's a it's a constant like communication relationship that we build there. So it's not that difficult once it's that case. But to sustain this program for the long run, yeah, is the sustenance is is uh more challenging. Right? And and I think you're referring to from from basically the, the economic standpoint, right? Mm, mm, the, I guess we have to see how the public as well as the market perceive this product or service in a sense, in a business sense. Yeah. And um, b- before we wrap up with our last segment, what are you looking forward to for Forest School in Singapore for say, you know, the, the, the next uh, few years? The dream for us is to like to have 66 Forest School in Singapore, community Forest School. Basically, none of us are like a conglomerate of sort, but 66 different individual private forest school. And with that much forest school affecting the public, the society perspective of education. And from there, our final destination is when MOE <laughs> decides that they need to do something about it, that they need to include something like a forest school or nature pro- nature-led, child-led program into their curriculum into the mainstream, into primary school, into secondary school, into the preschools that is, I mean, largely run by government. So, you know, I'm, I'm envisioning this future where, you know, instead of uh, instead of my PE class, I have uh, some nature-led yeah, class of yeah, uh, yeah. forest school. Yeah, so I think that, that dream, the dream destination is when MOE picks it up. And then I think at that day, like, well, we can retire already. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and how can listeners who are, who are tuning in uh, get involved or support the work that you're doing? Um, I think very simply, they can visit our website, forestschoolsingapore.com um, to, to find out more about us, to, mm-hmm. to understand our ways. Um, but for them to take action-wise, I think uh, 
simply talking to people about it, simply talking to having that conversation about our education, having that conversation about choice, uh, about the the kind of anxiety or stress that we are facing in the society now, talking about it, having that conversation, not just hiding it behind. I think that would be a huge step for everybody. And then, of course, further step, they can take the walk out to the woods, walk out to nature and experience it for themselves. Yeah, and, and hopefully it's, a, it's something, it's not, not a distant dream that we can uh, look forward to soon. Um, so we always wrap up with, with a last section on just um, advice you might have for, for folks, especially young, younger ones, right, listening in who, you know, want to try to do something different in life. You, of course, you started as in, in, in more, I guess, traditional childhood education organizations and then eventually deciding to do this um, do you have any advice just for people who are thinking about something like this? My advice would be just try. <laughs> must dare to try. Really must dare to try. Like any ideas, when we have it, we don't try, we never know what it turns out. Like. We try it even if it fails, even if it sucks, then you will know. I think that, that truth to yourself is is more than more clarity. And so, because some people start their business and all that and then it didn't work. But when they go back to their job or their career or whatever they want to do there's clarity in them about themselves they, they know their true value yeah yeah no and i, I kind of like that we talked a little bit about you know um building up this this idea of or teaching children about risk taking right and eventually mm. in, in life when you try new things it's, it's all about taking risks um, and perhaps we, mm. we have had a generation or generations of folks who were more adverse to taking risks but hopefully, mm. you know, through this podcast or through, through stories mm. like yourself, like people uh, can get encouraged to, 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 like you said, try. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And if, if they need any help from us, I mean, nowadays, because we are helping a lot of other people who are, I mean, COVID-19, a lot of people don't have their jobs. So we, we found the opportunity as well to really help people start up their entrepreneurship journey. Yeah. So if anybody on, on listening to here wish to, you know, start their own and have query about how to do it the social media how to do all these things they can email us and I mean, we are very happy to you know help them out to start their own business yeah wonderful uh, i think it's, it's a good opportunity and then hopefully that gets to gets you to your goal of uh, 66 satellite forest yeah, views, yeah. Uh, yeah, also. <laughs> <laughs> um, wonderful hey darren thank you so much for mm. spending time with us today um i think mm, you know, thank you terence yeah it's a, it's a it's an interesting journey that you went through but more importantly i think your your motivation and you know to to drive this philosophy through mm. education for for entire country uh, hopefully we see that one day thank you appreciate it and thanks for listening i love how the story of a young boy named john helped darren identify his goal in life and more importantly how he eventually acted on it to start forest school in singapore if this episode resonated with you do share it with your friends and family and help build the future where we can have nature-led classes redefine education in this country. See you on the next episode of Zero to One Humans. Goodbye.